I'm your host, Ken Lane, and this is the show where I bring on stellar guests from across the API universe to discuss, debate, and solve the latest topics around APIs and API first. All right. Uh, excited to be back for another episode of Breaking Changes. Uh, today, I have with me Uri Tinturi from Belvo. Come to talk financial APIs with me. Welcome. Thank you very much. I appreciate you joining us today. Um, so let's start with the basics. What is Belvo? What, what, what value does it provide for its customers? Yes, so um, Belvo is, is, is basically um, an API that allows businesses in Latin America to uh, extract financial data from their end users with their permission through a very, very easy and, and simple process. Uh, probably the best way to explain is through an example. Imagine, imagine you are uh, trying to access an online loan in a specific platform. Normally, they will ask you to submit a PDF of your bank statements for the last three to six months, uh, proof of your income, etc. Instead of that, we provide the uh, technology to allow the end user to link his or her bank account by uh, displaying a set of options where they can choose the financial institution, log in as they will log in through their online portal, and then all the information will be automatically linked. So basically a process that can take weeks and involve quite a lot of people, we can solve it in a matter of seconds. Nice. So how, how did it come to be? How, uh, why did you start Belvo? Yeah, so, so Pablo, my co-founder, and, and, and I, we were working at, uh, a, so at another fintech in, in Europe. It's called Verse. Uh, it's a peer-to-peer -peer payment platform, something similar to, to Venmo in, uh, in Europe. And we were thinking about expanding the business to Latin America. And we, what we saw was that well, that business didn't make too much sense in Latin America, but the infrastructure that was needed to understand the, the, the finances of the users to move money was completely missing. So we, we saw that the financial infrastructure in Latin America had to be completely revealed. And uh, we knew the open banking technology, we had been consumers of this type of technology and, and, and we saw the opportunity was massive. We know that Latin America presents an, uh, a huge challenge, but also a huge opportunity in, in FinTech. And that's when, when we decided to start Belvo. Nice. So, before I before I dive too deep into the technical details and 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 how you operate uh, the company, I want to get to know you just a little bit better. So so who is Uri Tintori? Who who are you? Where what what makes you unique in in being able to do this? Um, yeah, so I think it's a very very good question. Is I, I come from a background that has nothing to do with uh, with with finance. Uh, so I'm an, an, an aerospace engineer as, uh, as background. And I started my career developing small satellites at, at NASA in the US. So very far away from the, from the finance world. But one, one of the things that I saw there was that my, my two bosses, they started with the Bates Planet Labs. It's uh, one of the biggest private uh, space companies in the world. And what they were doing was actually a lot cooler than what we were doing at NASA, even if not that many people knew them. Now everyone knows, uh, so the uh, so knows Planet, and uh, and that kind of motivated me to start my my own business. I decided to to do an MBA, 
And I found myself during the MBA uh, learning a bit uh, how to code. I'm, I'm not a software developer. Uh, I wish I knew a lot more than, than about software. Uh, and uh, I found myself trying to reverse engineer the, my personal banks in order to put together my finances in the US and in Spain. Uh, that got me very excited about this, uh, this ecosystem. Then after the MBA, I found the opportunity of going back to Spain and lead the, uh, so Verse, this uh, fintech that was doing peer-to-peer payments in, uh, in Spain. So that was how I started in the fintech world. And that's how, uh, in a way, Belvo was, was born as well. Nice. I love the history. I love how you, I always find the, the most interesting startup founders never took a straight path to get to to get to where they are at and and i love this background uh i i really have been watching that that side of the, the uh, sector as far as apis but how satellites uh the cost of the satellites planets help really bring down the cost of satellites and making it much more feasible for a lot of companies to do so i think i'm gonna do a future show on on space and apis and satellites and i may maybe i'll reach out for for just some commentary from you uh from afar when, when i do that um but back to back to personal finance and 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 why uh these types of apis matter so to the end user you know how does how does the belvo platform help with personal finance how, do, how does it make things easier for an individual yeah, I think we, we, our main mission at Velvo is actually to democratize access to financial services in Latin America. And we indirectly serve the end users. But what we want to see in the market is that everyone, people, companies in Latin America, they all have access to financial services, which is something that at the moment is very far from, from being a reality. Um, how do we help end users? We help them by uh, making it possible to organize their, their finances. So uh, we, we serve personal finance management applications that can tell you how much you spend uh, per category, uh, how much you spend versus how much how much money you, you make. So lots and lots of insights that can help you organize your finances, but also we allow you to access financial services, access credit cards, access uh, loans, mortgages, et cetera. So in the end, we strongly believe that I mean, having a place to save your money, it's not getting access to financial services. The real access to financial services start when you're starting accessing credit and solutions that improve your quality, your, your quality of life. And the big problem is that you can, so the information is not open. And because the information is not open, a lot of these people do not have access to financial services. And that's the main mission of Belvo. That's what we want to solve, and this is why uh, why we started the company. So it's not just really the end user; it's opening up, cracking open that ecosystem, that layer that banks used to really keep their proprietary and closed, is opening that up to competition and other service providers to be able to offer those services that uh, that matter to the end users. Correct. Absolutely. So, so we, we believe that uh, financial services have been fully owned by some institutions. And what really makes sense and what we've seen in other industries is that the different layers need to be developed by companies that are experts at, at that. Right? So if you think about how you will build a software company like 25 years ago, I mean, you would, the first thing you would do would be to buy yourself like uh, 
uh, all the hardware that was needed to build your infrastructure, right? So then you have companies like AWS owning the infrastructure. Maybe something like this will happen in FinTech where companies like Velvo are gonna own the infrastructure, the way to access data, the way to move money, when others are gonna own the relationship with the client, they're gonna uh, build that relationship, they're gonna strengthen that relationship in order to provide them with, with, with services. They're gonna be the ones giving them loans. Uh, and, and with so that's the way we see financial services in the future. Different layers owned by strategic players that are experts on each one of these, uh, uh, of these levels. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. And the APIs just kind of connect and make all of that work in a in an automated and orchestratable way. I think it makes a lot of sense. So should the average person, the end user, care about APIs or or they just care about what the, the services that that get delivered to them? Yeah, I think it's uh, I, it's funny because one, one of the questions I, I ask everyone who joins the company is how would you explain Belvo without the word API? Right? Uh, because it's a way an end user would uh, uh, would understand it. I think the so the, the end user is is probably not going to be uh, so into the the, the API uh, ecosystem, or is not going to know that what's happening underneath is actually. Uh, an API, so a communication between companies through, through an API. And what they really care is about improving the services, is about having access to them and having them personalized. Then how the infrastructure really works underneath, I think that's up to us and the companies to, uh, to build the end user, what they uh, are really interested in having the best experience within the product and then the best financial services. So one of the aspects of what, what Belvo does that's unique and, and compelling to me is it, is it, and this isn't exclusive to, to Latin America, this is a global, is you service the unbanked. What does unbanked mean? For us, it's anyone who does not have access to financial services. Uh, as, as we were saying before, I mean, Maybe you can be a banked person, meaning you have a checking account at uh, a specific institution, but is the only thing that this does is just, I mean, keep your money a bit more safe than if you were keeping it yourself. But that that is not really a positive financial spiral for anyone, right? I mean, just keeping your money. We we know that people need mechanisms to access credit to access investment services, to be able to save, to be able to have a financial plan for their lives. So without access to financial services, then just a place to save your money is probably not enough. So for us, anyone who, I mean, I would I probably prefer to call the, the unserved or the people without access to financial services. And this is the population that we're after. Uh, it's. A lot, a lot bigger than the, maybe the unbanked or the people who do not, who do not have access to just an account to uh, to save uh, to save money. For us, these are the people that we really want to serve. And I think last I looked, like twenty six percent of people in the United States are are unbanked, and so I can only imagine globally this is a much bigger number. Why don't regular banks care about these folks? Why don't they offer services to them? I think in uh, in the end, what what we need to see is uh, 
uh, a lot bigger competition. I mean, uh, if take for example a country like like Brazil, I mean, the hundreds of millions of people that they have, and I think it's five banks control between seventy and eighty percent of the market. It's extremely hard that they are able to provide tailored services to that many people. It's just impossible. And if what they do is own the relationship with the client, build the technology for them to access the services, build the infrastructure, it's, it's just too much. So if you want to do a good job, you basically need to divide the problem. And trying to accomplish absolutely everything is, is extremely hard. So I think we, we are uh, equipped to uh, start serving a lot of people and to start like uh, targeting very, very unique problems that need solution. And then together with the rest of the companies that are trying to change the, the ecosystem, I think we can provide a lot better experiences for, for end users. So it's not just about Belvo uh, directly servicing all these areas. It's really about using APIs and building that connectivity so that your partners can come in and they're the special. They specialize in a specific region or a specific problem. I think that's really powerful because those are those are smaller problems that those large banks, you know, the 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 global banks don't see and and don't feel like they need to prioritize. So I think that's really Im important. So so how do your investors see all of this? I mean, I I, I get your vision and I get you want to build a startup, but. Do you do your investors share the same vision as far as like serving the unbanked and and or are they focused on the the opportunity and connecting all of these different partners and players to to service this area? I think what what they see, which is extremely similar to the way we see things, is is a is a very good combination of uh, an opportunity to to serve probably a, even a, a bigger market uh, than what we can see in the U.S. or in Europe because. We've seen how open banking, how the access to information, easy movement of money has reshaped the uh, financial ecosystem in Europe or in the US. And that was actually providing a better user experience, maybe slightly less costs, maybe better processes. Maybe you don't have to go to the bank to do X, Y, or Z, but still you have the solutions. So in Europe and the US, FinTech has improved the user experience. And these companies have taken market share from in the incumbents. In Latin, on the other side, you can do this, but there's still 50% of the population who do not have access to these services. So it's not only about getting a part of the pie or part of the market, it's about expanding the entire market. And that is the big, big opportunity that we see and our investors see. So we can make the finance um, industry bigger together in, in Latin America. And that's huge. That's a bigger opportunity than in developed um, regions like, like Europe or the US. Yeah, that's very much, uh, we, there's a phrase, you know, you hear a lot in the API space, the API economy. And I think people think it's the direct revenue from selling APIs in these existing verticals, but it's really 
that new, that, that, that expansion, that growth, that area that, you know, Twilio enabled when it was, uh, uh, you know, enabled ride sharing or in, in, enabled grocery delivery. And so that's how I view the, the API economies. It's those, those entirely new areas. And so when it comes to personal finance and, and, and the finance sector, I think it's huge. I mean, especially when you're talking about people who don't have a bank account, but they, they have a cell phone. They have a phone in their pocket. I think that's a pretty, pretty massive opportunity. So let's, you, you mentioned Europe. Uh, what's your view on PSD2? Um, and, you know, I, we're watching it from, from the United States here um, with mic, kind of mixed signals coming. Some of it's good, some of it's bad. Um, I think there's um, following legislation happening in the United States government that's kind of PSD2-like. They're pushing through. What's your what is PSD two first, and then and what's Belbo's view on PSD two? No, we we've, uh, we're following extremely closely the the regulation uh, evolution in, in every single market where we see that, and in particularly in, in Europe um, through PSD two, and it has been made mandatory for financial institutions to share um, or open APIs for specific regulated entities, um, aggregators and uh, payment initiation companies to access financial data and to process payments uh, back to back. And the description of open banking is, is, is amazing. It's um, a great opportunity. How we see Europe in particular, we think it's a uh, I mean, the, the objective was uh, was great. The, uh, the the goals and the, the way that it has been put together. I think we see a difference between the UK, where they've gone all the way there and it's really really advanced and it's actually working really well. Versus in Europe, where the day to day operation is not as smooth as we would have thought. So we always think that open banking is going to be a super smooth process, that everything is going to work, and it's actually a lot harder. Obviously, the initiative is, 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 is gigantic. So we really understand that implementing open banking is an initiative that can take several years. It's, it's something similar happening in Brazil, actually in Latin America, and in other countries that they're following Brazil, where they're pushing hard and they want to make it happen. And the way we see it is essentially as a part of the tools that we will have to, to gather data and to expose this data to the end user who is in the end the ultimate owner of, uh, of this data. But it's not more than a tool because what our clients or what the end users are going to be willing to share might come or might not come from open banking data. It can be data that falls under open banking because it actually comes from banks, but it may be different, right? So we access data from banks, from fiscal institutions, from gig economy platforms. Not everything is under open banking. So for us, again, it's a, it's a tool that we're extremely excited to use whenever it's available, that is going to improve the overall user experience, that is going to increase trust, but it has to work at scale and it's going to improve part, part of the product, uh, not 100% of it. Yeah, I mean, you touch on a couple of really important things there. So first of all, the UK, I, I feel like from what I've seen, it, it had the intended consequences, meaning now HSBC has to 
open up and and play alongside other smaller startups and there's innovation happening where HSBC and these other large banks would just not allow it. But then, as you mentioned, in the rest of Europe, you know, the difference between open banking Spain, open banking France, open banking Germany, there's some pretty significant differences when you're talking about the effects of PSD2. And then so I feel like what you touched on with what what Belvo and what startups are doing is is you're a critical I don't want to use the the colonial analogy because that's a I think it has a lot of historic negative connotations. But I feel like as far as going into new markets and bringing the best of, of effects of these re- regulatory uh, rules, and then as you said, touching um, bringing more to it, more trust uh, when it comes to the API economy, so that people it adds value to people's lives, and doing that in in Brazil, in Colombia. I think do do you feel like that that Bel- the Belvos of the world are an essential aspect of spreading regulations around the world and making this happen globally? Absolutely, I think we we have to be on on those tables and we have to be uh, part of the decision making process um, when if if we want to um, invest in innovation, if we want to to open uh, financial services. We need to listen to all the players. And I think one of the risks of the, the regulation is that we limit the, uh, the table to the traditional players. And, and, and that would reduce the impact that overall open banking can have. Right. So I think we need to bring on board innovators. We need to bring on board fintechs. Ideally, we need to bring on board end users. I mean, we, we need to have their voice on the table what they care about, uh, why they care about it, and how they would like to see processes. I believe regulation in some cases, it's making, maybe it's making things, and I'm not talking about uh, open banking, but in other aspects of of FinTech, it's making things more secure, but with a lot worse user experience. We probably need to find the right balance. And, And in order to achieve that, it's very, very important to have everyone in the room, raise their voice, share their insights, and then make the uh, the right decisions. And I think that for me, that's the the piece of APIs that many of us technologists miss is that feedback loop with with the end users, but also with all of the partners that you're connecting the dots with, the people who specialize in certain areas. And then, as you said, it's it's. It's not just, oh, I'm able to manage my personal finance. It's that I'm managing my personal finance so I can buy groceries, so I can order food, restaurant delivery for my family to eat. It's so I can do things. And that's just, as you said, not in open banking. And so I think a lot of people right now are looking for financial regulation to kind of save us. And I'm fairly, you know, uh, I'm fairly skeptical of the government, you know, being in the API game and that they're going to be able to move fast enough and do things. But I think there's there's a need for uh, government agencies to crack open the large, the large multinational global corporations that kind of have a stranglehold and let the the Belvos of the world and and the Plaids and the others into the, into the ecosystem. But then I think the 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 uh, the meaningful spread of regulation, the benefits of regulation 
is reflected in 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 what you you are doing and and your vision and connecting the dots. So, um, is is it going to matter if if Colombia or Brazil open up their own regulations, or are you going to just keep following the regulations as you see they they need to occur? Of course, they they matter, and I think any help is is more than welcome. I mean, we are in a super challenging mission here and a super challenging journey. So we completely understand that the regulator is not going to be able to solve all the problems. And it makes sense that the regulator does as much as they can, that there are players like Delvo who are going to be there and are going to die for the customers to bring amazing products to the end users. And then these other companies that are implement so using open banking providers like us to actually provide financial services. So we we do uh, think this is a this is a group effort. Uh, we believe the regulator is part of our team. It's part of the team that is going to improve the uh, the industry. And even if it's a um, small step, it would definitely help. Right? Uh, do we so? Do we need them? I think. I mean, we wouldn't be humble enough if we said we don't need them. We we need all the help that we can that we can get in order to be successful. So I would say we do absolutely need uh, the, uh, the the regulator will keep providing the best service that is always available, and we know that the improvements would be uh, a combined effect of different players. So the the more they come to join us in, in this in this journey, the uh, the better and the regulator is an extremely important player for us yeah yeah i like the balance in, in how you see the world i think that's important i think more more regulators need to listen to that so moving into you know how developers can can step up and help what type of developers build on belvo probably all all sort of the of developers uh we so it's extremely important when you build uh, an, an API product that the uh, the solutions that you build are actually thought and uh, so built for developers and built by developers. And I think that slogan is being used by probably hundreds of, of tech companies. But we we truly need to mean that, and we truly need to build that. So we're extremely focused on uh, making it easy for developers and making it possible for companies to like build a solution on top of Belvo in an afternoon. Is it like, do we require people to be extremely knowledgeable? Do we require them to have specific uh, knowledge? We don't think so. And if we're not able to uh, have developers build solutions extremely easily, we're not doing right our job. And so we're going to be extremely, extremely close. Uh, with developers, we, we see again, all kinds of developers, we put all the uh, necessary like uh, elements of the product at their disposal so that in the end it becomes uh, ideally it becomes a drag and drop uh, solution for you uh, which obviously the number of each cases and the situations that need to handle it can be complex but uh, we don't see that the type of developer that will be implementing Belvo is by by no means somebody who needs to have a lot, a lot of experience. It's our job to make it as easy as possible. I think that's super important. Reducing friction uh, is super critical to this because developers are using many different APIs and they're not always 
finance experts, as you said. So if I, I come across a lot of, I think one of the, the interview upcoming interviews I have is with a um, home. Uh, so if you need to order home repair or, or uh, um, you know, cleaning service or, you know, so what, what role does Belleville play in the, in the overall gig and sharing economy, would you say? Um, well, on, on, on that part, I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's also uh, very interesting to see the, the, the specifics of the, uh, of the industry in, in Latin America. Right? So there is uh, a big part of the population who might have uh, jobs at uh, gig economy platforms. And these, uh, these type of jobs, they might earn decent uh, incomes, but these incomes are reflected I mean, maybe in, a, in an official way with the tax agencies, but they're not reflected in the bank uh, as a lot of these movements happen in cash. Uh, to give you some, some an example, I think uh, Uber rides in Mexico uh, on average, I think still uh, is more processed in cash versus uh, card payments, which probably nobody in, in, in the US or Europe has ever done an Uber ride in, uh, in cash, right? So uh, that changes the, the owner of the financial data because the bank is not going to see how much you make. And, uh, and the, the entities that, that know that are gig economy platforms. So we build a product that is flexible enough to connect to all sorts of financial data points. And in case you make your income through Uber, we are going to be the ones to, that know exactly how much you're making, that know exactly how much Uber owes you. So there are a lot of things that can be done, right? We can provide salary. So we or our clients can provide salary advances. Our clients can provide loans. Imagine you're an Uber driver, right? You make, just to give a, a, a number, you're making 100. And then your car breaks and you need... 80 to repair the uh, car. So if you go to the bank, you will see the person is making 50. Are you going to give them a loan that is higher than their monthly salary? It might be tough, or you might charge them a very high interest rate. What is this person going to do? Probably not being able to repair the car, not being able to drive Uber, and then reduce their income significantly. On the other hand, if somebody providing credit knows that this person is making 100 an Uber, even if part is in cash, they're going to be okay. Uh, lending money, this person might repair the car and then drive again, repay the loan, and then improve. Right? So, in in that uh, group, also in that population, uh, I think the the need for financial data and different sources of of uh, financial uh, data points is even more important, and that's why our platform is flexible enough to provide these solutions. It feels like it's a much more honest representation of the real world because i think silicon valley and tech entrepreneurs want to believe everyone's like us and, and has a credit card everything's going virtual cash is going away but in the real world cash is still king and and a big part of of how things work and so being able to have that data and that view of it is is pretty critical um and i think with the gig economy that's even more critical to understanding uh, the health or, or, you know, and like you said, what people actually need on the ground. 
I think that's that's huge. I think there's a huge opportunity to keep bridging that. And I don't think cash is going away anytime soon. So uh, is this is this is cash in that kind of layer a, a continued part of your strategy and in, in moving into other markets? I mean, it's it's definitely a reality that uh, and and that will keep being the case for for a long time. Mm, we think that the percentage of the financial activity that will happen in cash will be reduced. Um, hopefully, it gets reduced. I think it's a, it's a source of friction. Cash needs to happen physically. Uh, moving cash is more expensive. So, um, I'd rather see. A, even more digital economy, and uh, because that would be more efficient. Uh, in a, in a nutshell, we would provide solutions to to deal with uh, the the cash movement. If there's any digital trace, we'll go and find it, be able to open that information. Um, however, the the more digital we believe, the better. So, do you feel that Belvo platform is is about building the trust to to convince? people who own, who don't trust digital to move to a more digital reality? Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I don't think we're going to move uh, people to a more digital I mean, uh, economy. Probably our customers will. So uh, companies like Challenger Banks, uh, personal finance manage, management apps, I mean, it happens to me, like when I spend in cash and I don't see that reflected on the phone, it's like, okay, I should have spent in uh, using, so using my card, using my bank. So I think that's, uh, that kind of fosters and that kind of in, in incentivizes people to you to be more, uh, to be more digital, even if it's in a bit in an indirect way. Yeah, I think that that visibility, I mean, you're providing kind of a financial observability. The more you know about your finances, yeah the more you're going to think about when you, how much you, you spend cash versus, you know, uh, digital. So I think it, it makes a lot of sense. So as far as building on the Belvo API, and you talked about it before about, you know, making it easier for developers to, to get up and running an important part of any sort of finance when payments are involved is when I'm learning the API, I don't want to have to work with production or real data. What's the role of the sandbox when it comes to the platform and, and, and helping developers get going? Yeah, it's absolutely mandatory, right? Uh, I mean, the, the nature of the product that we build is extremely hard, it's extremely challenging, right? So, uh, I mean, it's not only about being able to test without your, your real account, it's about being able to test the hundreds or thousands of edge cases that you will find. Right. So how do you test about different types of product, different countries, different uh, responses, different situations? So all of that is too rich to be able to test with your own credentials. So the sandbox can help you map the edge cases, figure them out, understand really the product. And it's a very, very um, difficult product to build. A sandbox environment because you constantly need to be monitoring the offset between the sandbox and production. You need to add the cases. You need to think about how uh, they will be able to they, they will be able to test it. Um, it made a huge difference the moment we launched the, the sandbox environment. We saw not only 
local developers, but international developers now being able to use an API that is open in Mexico, Colombia, Brazil, Sudan, Peru, Chile, Argentina. Now developers from all over the world can test it, even if you don't have a real account in a bank there. So that really uh, that really changed and that really opened the possibilities for, for companies and developers to build on top of that one. Yeah, I can't imagine a, 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 any sort of financial API op operating without a sandbox. And as you said, a sandbox with, with use cases that are as close to production as possible. And that's, it just seems like it's essential, but I still come across them as I'm playing with financial APIs. It's, it's kind of amazing. So this security has to be pretty important here. What does security look like for the platform? Yeah, um, it's, uh, so I, I always tell a sentence that our head of engineering uh, says, which is normally we, we treat security as uh, something important when it's too late. And uh, we don't want that to happen at, at Belvo. We completely understand that what we have and what we gain, besides the data, that obviously it's private, that obviously it's kept secure, is the trust and confidence of end users who are doing a process to share the data in order to get specific, uh, specific products and they're trusting us, they're giving, so they're allowing us to, to like, access the, uh, the information. And, and that's a huge responsibility. It cannot be taken with, uh, with I mean, it has to be taken extremely, extremely seriously. So for us, we, we constantly invest in security. We actually, I mean, uh, we have hired people who have like, been trying to challenge the security at Belva. It's like, hey, I think I found a bug here. And then we go and test it. It's like, oh, no, uh, this, is, this is the reason why it built this way. But it was a valid point. And then we end up establishing relationships and hiring people who have this mindset of building extremely secure platforms. So we have, uh, I mean, we do penetration tests. We have bounty programs to I mean, open the platform and say, hey, if there's any issue, please report it. And then we'll take care of it with highest priority. Uh, we implement all the findings, no matter how small they might be. I mean, we've only found kind of like very small or small bugs in the, uh, in the platform. We can implement 100% of them. And uh, we're going to be the first open banking um, platform in Latin America to achieve ISO 2701 certification. Uh, we're in the process of getting certified. It's going to happen just two years after the company was born. That's a level of security of very developed uh, technology platforms. And, and, and this is probably a proof of how seriously we take uh, security at level. Yeah, that was gonna be my next question is how do you reassure your customers? But I think that certification right there is answers my question. That's, that's, that's important. That's significant. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think so obviously a cert, so certification is, is, is very, very important because it's actually not us telling something that it's very difficult to prove and it's very difficult to argue against without having access to the insights of the, uh, of the technology. So I think that's extremely, extremely important. But we do prepare materials for our clients. We do have security presentations. Our head of engineering stays in front of any client that wants to get a briefing on security. And that is a big differentiator for us, uh, how we handle things 
we even have things that are proprietary um, that are extremely clever in order to ensure that I mean that the level of security is as high as uh, as it can get. So uh, we keep doing almost everything that is uh, uh, that is in our hand to keep improving, and we always dedicate part of our roadmap to technology and security. And I think sometimes we forget about the technology part so to be updated, to not have a lot of legacy code. I think those can be big sources of potential problems, potential security breaches, giving enough time in your roadmaps to tackle those things. At the beginning, my seem that it's a compromise and you're not going to develop as much the product as you, you, you wish, but then in the end, they really pay out. So we're, we're super, super committed to, to keep investing in, in, in those two areas. How does reliability fit into that? I mean, just overall availability of the system, scalability when when it gets hit with heavy loads. How does that fit into your strategy? Yeah, it's uh, so we we measure difference. We we measure um, reliability, scalability, accuracy, quality. We try to measure, and we have uh, KPIs for all of those metrics, right? So how we think about reliability is as uh, an end user. Uh, basically, how so? How likely or how successful can I be when I try to submit my credentials, connect my institution, and extract all the data that I want to extract? That for us is reliability, right? And we measure that through different metrics, but the most important one is the success rate of these API calls, right? So, and there's like different things that can happen. Right? Like, I don't know, maybe the client makes a mistake. There's a login error because the Credentials were incorrect. A lot of things that, that can that can happen. We measure scalability, as you said. So how much? Uh, um, so what can we withstand in terms of uh, in terms of, of heavy uh, of heavy load? It can be peak activity. It can be like regular activity. We measure a lot of quality. So we looked at the data. We analyze the data. We see if it makes sense. We see if we're making any mistake. If we're retrieving something wrongly, or if we're missing something. Like can we get the day you have to pay your credit card? If it's possible, we want to take it because it's going to help you get better services, right? So we measure that as well. Uh, our, I think our kind of metrics are full of, of, uh, kind of success uh, objectives and, and, and key results that we keep measuring on a daily basis. Wow. Impressive. Sounds like you really have things dialed in as a, as a startup um, that that allows for the optimal, uh, you know, delivery of the services, but also iteration and, and your roadmap in a, in a sensible, you know, realistic way. So moving forward, what's the future hold? What's next for Belvo? What's what's on the horizon? Um, for with with Paolo, my co-founder, we we always say that I mean we're just one percent out of the uh, long journey that we have ahead of us. I mean we, we've achieved great things. We're super proud of what we have done, but we have to be uh, very humble, and we know that the the opportunity is is so big that we're just like one step ahead. There are many many things that we can do. What's what's going to come next to us? I think very important things. One is going to be expansion. I mean, we're going to increase the financial institutions that we are connected to. We're going to increase the number of countries that we serve. Uh, we're going to expand a lot on the um, uh, on the way we process the data. 
So it's not only about extracting raw information. We already have products that calculate your income, but we are going to develop a lot of solutions around what we call data enrichment. So like credit uh, metrics. Um, so how, how do we measure, I don't know, for example, income to expense ratios that make sense? How do we like, put together a financial report that can be used to approve or deny credit or mortgage, et cetera? And then, and then finally, one thing that is extremely exciting, I mean, we are at the very early stages, but we are doubling down a lot our effort and, and time that we dedicate we we are putting uh, so an instant bank to bank uh, pull and push payment capability, and uh, we are going to be entering the payment space soon because we believe that um, processing payments is slow, it's expensive, and the combination of accessing your financial data, moving the money, it's a game changer for the uh, financial infrastructure. So the 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 layer where we want to play is on accessing data, what we call read, processing data, what we call understand, and moving money, which we call write. So those are the three layers of the platform. And enabling that in the whole Latin American region is I mean, a huge, huge endeavor. And we're super excited because the opportunities there are, I mean, they're, they're just too big and, uh, and it can be an extremely exciting journey for us. Yeah. Wow. So what type of partners can help you get there? What kind of developers and partners would you like to see step up to help you in that, in that journey? Yeah, I mean, I would, so definitely the, the most important partners for us are our team members, um, for us, the, 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 uh, the Belbo family is the most important assets uh, we're going to grow we're going to i mean we are constantly hiring and i mean finding people who are passionate about providing better financial services in latin america opening up finances democratizing access to financial services people who are curious who are passionate who really want to see things happening this is the type of people that we want to bring on board because we know that mission is going to be easier to accomplish. And also we're going to have a lot of fun building it together. Uh, so, so that's number one partner, if you ask me, is people who are going to be joining the, uh, uh, the team. I think the next obviously is going to be the, all the different uh, customers that are going to build solutions on top of what we do. We're going to iterate on our product. We're going to keep finding the best solutions for them. And they're going to be the ones providing feedback. So them together with the end users, um, the uh, so, so super, super important partners. But as we move and as we scale and provide more services, there's going to be a lot of room for other financial institutions or existing, maybe even incumbents or banks, uh, traditional players to come uh, innovate with us and open up the, uh, the, the ecosystem together. So mm, I think the number of potential partners that we can find along the way is, uh, is really high. Yeah, so I want to I want to pause on the first part of that the to for folks that are listening. They're hiring and you get the opportunity to come and join a team that gets to build out the next generation of of payments of of the the gig economy how all of this is is powering what's happening and pushing I would say global regulation kind of the the forefront the front line of of how 
you know, how banking, bank, you know, the whole financial sector is regulated. And I'm assuming you guys are mostly a remote company at this point in time as well. Yeah, so we're we're pre uh, pre flexible. So we have three offices. Barcelona is the the first one that we open, but the the uh, the main ones as, as we operate in Latin America are Mexico City and uh, and Sao Paulo. But um, a lot of the team is working remotely, and we have a very nice hybrid uh, policy where like everyone can work almost from any anywhere in the um, uh, in the world as long as you have a laptop and, and good internet connection. And uh, and we also have people kind of moving either from working remote to spending like one month in uh, in an office. So one of the things that we're doing at the moment, because I mean COVID has prevented many of us to, to get to know each other in in person. So people can uh, travel from either their place if they work remote or from one office to work in different office for um, as long as like I mean. A reasonable time, so it can be several months. So if you are in Mexico and want to be working in, in like in Barcelona for a quarter, the company like, will support that. So uh, that kind of increases the, the how how close we are from from each other, how we build the culture together. Uh, but overall, I would say we're a hybrid company and very flexible. So we're hiring people from all over the world. Yeah, I mean Barcelona has always been a hot place to to work and live uh, in tech. Um, I've spent quite a bit of time there, but Sao Paulo is is really showing up on the, the API radar as a as an upcoming kind of tech hub and lots of interesting things going on there. So I could imagine working from there would do a lot for your career. And then Mexico City, I could definitely see um, having gone down there. You know, there's a lot of interesting uh, opportunities. Um, I work with universities down there that are really kind of training the next wave of uh, kind of tech entrepreneurs and 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 programmers and other folks. So, three great places to work out of. So, how else has has COVID changed? Has shifted how you how you're building your company? Yeah, and obviously number number one. I mean, we so we moved to a, to a big office like six months after COVID started because we thought it was going to be over. So we have a pretty big office in Barcelona. It's like average number of people is like five. So uh, it, it really shifted us to to almost being a remote first uh, company. So probably you will see out of the eighty people, less than twenty working from a, from an office on a daily basis. Really, really a remote company. I, I think. Uh, I mean, COVID, I think, has has impacted us a bit in terms of like we haven't been able to get to know each other. So we have we've had to adapt. We've done different things at the company level to get to know everyone. We've invested a lot in like how we can build the the, uh, the same culture and uh, and something that we're proud of and that everyone is proud of, even if it's remote, which sometimes can be can be challenging. So I think we have a a people department that. It's. I mean, they keep working day and night to make sure that this is something uh, that we maintain at a very, very high standard. And I would say probably the increase of uh, digital financial services uh, because of the uh, because of COVID has has put us a bit more in the radar and has helped us grow uh, grow faster. So we're one of the uh, few companies that. Um, unfortunately, we can say that we benefit from uh, from the the kind of the, the overall change in the uh, in the ecosystem. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's definitely sad to say that this is something that has been positive in a way for, for the business. I wouldn't say that it has been a big big differentiator factor, but we see 
that and uh, come so people is uh, is more over so people are more open to digital financial services now than like a year and a half ago yeah 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 i mean i'm seeing the same thing with postman we we're in a similar position apis are definitely what you want to be doing but i would say financial um you know even though the economy's been hard definitely uh innovation and and flexibility and being able to meet the people with what they need on the ground every day is really important and i think the gig economy uh feeds into that there's a lot of a lot of different aspects of that so pulling away just a little bit from belvo what how do you stay informed you know in your position leading leading a company like this when it comes to either tech issues global commerce these markets that you're moving into how do you get your information how do you stay informed it's uh it's it's a good question i i normally use like i, I read a very reduced uh number of uh, information sources that uh really uh, give me the, the, the information that i that i need uh i mean within belvo uh i have i mean i'm married with three kids i cannot read like that newspapers on a daily basis and i have to accept it so i limit the the, the source of of inputs to I mean, as so the the ones that are really really valuable. So I, I do a lot of triage, and when something really doesn't give me useful information, I just stop it immediately. But I have like some specific tech newsletters that I think are extremely useful. Um, some newspapers, obviously, I mean, leading would be would be TechCrunch, uh, but I limit my my probably the inputs this to a couple of um, couple of newsletters and a couple of. Uh, uh, journals that are very focused on, on uh, what we do. Well, I think that balance is important with our family, especially in, in, in this time. So, uh, um, so what else do you do that, you know, it sounds like your kids are probably a big driver in your life. Uh, what else do you do on a personal level? Do you pay attention to the space? What's going on with the space travel and, and everything right now, or you know, have you left that part of your 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 life behind you? I mean, uh, uh, a little bit. I have to say that I'm I'm definitely less informed that I uh, that, that I, I wish I uh, I was. But I, I keep some some very good friends in the in the space, so so I, I receive updates and uh, I can keep track of what's what's going on. So I would say this is one of the areas where um, probably I I spend some time besides uh, besides work try to 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 exercise um as often as i as i can which is not very often i might be like maybe one is a week but i think that's uh that's okay and definitely i think the the, the way i find uh so i spend a lot of time is, is, is with with my family uh, wife and kids and i think they're probably the, the biggest source of, of of energy to keep very focused on uh at, at work as well Nice. I love hearing that because it's so important when you're doing startups to to find that balance with your family, because I think that's what's going to, in my experience, uh, you know, startup success meet doesn't mean a lot unless you can share it with some yeah. with, with those those folks in your life. So, well, um, this has been great. Uh, I appreciate your time today. I think we covered everything, uh, you know, I wanted to talk about. I'm going to be doing some some additional segments with um, we have in the United States regulatory what's happening in the U.S. Um, with our uh, 
CFPB is is and the the Biden administration. We're going to be talking about regulation, and and then we're going to be doing some talks with with folks in Southeast Asia as well. So I might be reaching out to you in the future, you know, with some questions and and maybe some other opportunities to talk about how things are going uh, with 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 your uh, Latin America, you know, uh, focus. But uh, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. No, absolutely. A big pleasure. And yeah, and feel free to reach out whenever. More, more than happy to, to catch up and, and, uh, and see where, where we are. Well, great vision. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Have a good day. You too.